0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Um one opportunity, Lord, in time to receive your thoughts, Lord, and um, just soften our hearts. And let it, let us receive with an open heart, Lord, what you would have for us this morning. Um and just speak to us and be personal in your name, Amen. So I'm going to read um, a couple of verses, yeah. and then I'm going to read from a book that we wrote. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Um, I'm I'm gonna read from the book, the booklet on image. Um, It's probably like a page or two or some sections from that really spoke to me and really benefit people going through trouble, you know, or trial, you know. Romans 8, 20, 28 and we know that to them that love God the book says this is the only place in the epistle of Romans where our love to God based upon the new image he has made us in is mentioned the phrase them that God them that love God is descriptive of believers as a class and at the same time suggests that only those who love God by virtue of their nature their new image and identity realize and truly express that all things are working together for good and you know when you read that verse you know that all things work together for his good and you know you may position yourself in a certain situation you know at work or in your life or you know Trials, you're going through pain, health, finances, and you like really got to, re- you're really thinking, <laughs> you know, it, does this, is this for, you know, my good? Is God working this, you know, in my life? And, and we spoke, um, I think that was on Nicole's birthday a couple of weeks ago. On the two ways you can um, respond to a trial. And one was you submit to Him, and the other one was you just harden your heart. And, you know, that's very, I think for me, it's like a daily thing where I just got to trust God in what He has me in, and knowing that all things work together for good um and to not harden my heart and trust him through what has passed him to come to me, you know how God encompasses us and anything that comes to us has gone through God. I um, mean he knows all things. The book says all things while applying to circumstances in general has sp- sp- special reference to those of adversity as in- indicated in R- Romans 8, 20 and 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And I, I love, I think that's one of my favorite verses because when you read, um, when you study the word I, I think it's the word conformed it, it talks about Christ being like morphed into us into our being and how God knew that when we would accept him and it's just a beautiful um like word how you know we're morphed into who God made us to be um all things, however, contrary to us, are under his control. The statement carries the suggestion that God works all things for those who love him with the design of their image in Christ for their good, being the ones who are the called ones in the Son of his love. And that's Ephesians 1, 6. And I, I love this part. It's, it's um, from Job twenty three fourteen. For he performs the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. And in verse sixteen, "For God makes my heart soft, and the Almighty troubles me." And also in psalm one nineteen sixty seven, where um, God all right, let, let me read that real quick, because that's good. And, and, you know and, and I think like in my life, you know, without this pain, where would I be in, in, in relation to God? You know, Psalms 119, 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So without this pain, you know, like you wouldn't even be yearning for God and His help. But now I have kept your word, for you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. And so, you know, I love that verse in relation to Romans 8.28, because He is good and he does good, and all things work together for his good. And so back to the booklet, it says troubles do not hinder Christian progress. They serve but to further the design of our image in and of God's grace, even to them that are the called ones. And it's funny because I remember way back when we first moved here, I was sitting in in my, in, I mean, in my office room, you know, and I was just praying real early in the morning, just praying like, God, I really want to grow, you know? <laughs> and little did I know the pain that I would experience in that prayer or the, as a result of like wanting to grow in Him. Um, like, yeah, I'm definitely growing. Tremendously, but I didn't know the pain would, you know, come or be a part of the growth, you know. And, um, you know, the term no, no pain, no gain is like, yeah, you have to go through pain, to receive some sort of gain, you know. Um, yeah, I just love, you know, if you haven't read that book, read the book. There's always, you know, like scripture is always something you can learn even, even if you read it once, you know, and how God really makes, you know, little sentences more personal the more you grow. Um, yeah, so.
1: Oh, awesome portion. All right. Yeah, that, that Greek word is where we get our form, the word form. And this was the, in a sense, it was teaching, but it was when we get, for instance, when any of us receive that we're being taught by the Holy Spirit, right? And they can enter into our prayer life too. That's what causes us to have uh, prayers according to God's will, is, is the word, the teaching that penetrates into us. So the word is this, is this thing that penetrates into us. And, and many times before we would even turn to God, uh, without that pain, we wouldn't turn to him. Now, what I, what I love about this is for now, when it says in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, so when it says for now we see through the word a a proper reflection a proper image through the reflection of the word we we only know in part because we're still being he still has to separate the soul from the spirit and he uses pain to do that he uses this pain that's why paul when he went into the uh, when he was transported or transfigured into the third heaven he heard. He said unspeakable words. He said, "It's it's almost like it was so much and so incredible. The things that I heard, they were so amazing." He said that I can't even, I can't even put them in words right now. You know, I can't put them in words. They're so incredible, because God always in in Ephesians three and verse twenty, He always does exceeding. I started this. He do, He always does exceeding and abundantly above all we could ask or think. And it's according to the power of Christ that he is. And, the, and that's why in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Then it says love and a sound mind. And Christ himself in 1 Peter 1, 5 is that power. And also according to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24. So now we have pain. Which is a part of our growth, and that's how that's what Janelle was bringing out through the word this morning. That part of our growth has to do with pain. That's why Paul had to have that thorn in Second Corinthians twelve seven, and there was pain involved in that to keep him from, to keep the flesh from being active in us. So that's what God means the pain for, and, and for that place, it is for us, and that's Romans eight twenty eight. But once we get into heaven, once we're in his presence, right, in eternity, in his presence, we'll never leave him in any way. He'll never leave us or forsake us now in Hebrews 13, 5, Joshua 1, 5. He doesn't fail us. But for now, we can. And even that, he, keep, he uses pain to keep us near to him. But when we get into heaven and get into his presence, in in, in Revelations 21 and verse 4, says he, he wipes away all tears. Why? Because there's going to be no more what? There. Pain. It's not necessary anymore. Not that we're not going to grow in that love, but but there won't be any need for pain right now in his presence because we'll be there with him forever. But for now, in his faithfulness and his love for us, he uses this pain. And the, and the use of the pain is for this reason, and this goes into, we've been taught, all of us together, that uh, we were just little dots, functioning on our own, and then we received Christ, and God circled himself around us. Now remember, the circle is like a ball. It's not just like one little circle. It's everything. So in Second Corinthians 4 and verse 15, that's why all things are for your sake. All things. Pain. All things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace, it says, uh, might, might redound or go right back to Christ. So in other words, he wants to bless us. He wants to continue to bless us. For that to happen, we do need pain. Otherwise, we won't draw near to him. We can, we can easily forget him. And that's why in Second Corinthians 5 and verse 18, that all things are of God, meaning things that God uses to affect us are constituted of who he is. And he's for us, and that's why in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for the good to them that love God. What does that mean? Well, obviously, Romans eight twenty eight, to them that love God, simply means this: that experientially, we we return his love to us through his grace, right? Through his grace, and through our obedience, and pain teaches us to. Con- to rely on Christ for our obedience. This is 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 and 6. And, uh, but that goes into this our, our growth in sanctification experientially. Now for that, for those things to work. Now when it says that all things work together for the good. That's ho agathos. That's God's divine good. Okay, So we know that there's love and there's only goodness. So you can't separate God, who he is, and the goodness of who he is, love. And that's who he loves us. He loves us with himself through his Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so 1 John 4.10, herein is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. This brings into a beautiful reality of Romans, the fifth chapter. And we see really those first ten verses. And then it goes right into into the end of the chapter, verse 21. So it's his love return. So that's first John four ten. Herein is love. Herein is God. Not that we loved him. He's the initiator, we're the receivers. That's it. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son the propitiation for us. Then in, in 1 John 4 and verse 19, we love why? Because he first loved us, and that's 1 John four nineteen. Now, what can happen to us without pain here, because we're in a world where we have the flesh, the world, and Satan coming, coming against us, but we have Father and Son and Holy Spirit to combat that. So here, we have those things. We have those things that come against us. So to cause us to leave or really forget first love. And this is Revelations 2 and verse 4. When it's not the continuation of his first love for us, And that first love goes back to the eternal relationship that he has and continued to have with his son in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That can get interfered with experientially. can't touch our position in him, but it can touch our experience. And that's where pain comes in. And he uses it, the thorn that Paul had in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. We all have these thorns. Now, they can be different but they're from the same source, God who is love. Now, this is, what, this is where we come into in Ephesians, uh, in Galatians, the fourth chapter. This is verse 19. This is what it says. My children, with whom I again and in labor until Christ is formed in you. And this is where we have that word, that Greek word, somorphos. Okay, that's that word to be Christ being formed in you So this has to do with sanctification, separation process, and many times it takes pain for us to realize that. So for him to be formed in us, right, there has to be this separating, sanctifying process in Hebrews 4.12, separating the soul from the spirit. So this labor, so really, this this is Paul but it's the Holy Spirit teaching him that it is Christ in him that, la- that labored in his growth for him. And this goes into, in, into Christ's intercession, meaning he's not laboring like it's, like it's really hard and why do I have to do this again for them? It's a labor of love in Romans 8, 34, Hebrews 7, 25, Hebrews 9 and verse 24. It is the labor of his love as he intercedes for us knowing the pain that is for us, that he experienced in our place. And so this goes into this, my little children the, with whom I again a, a, am again in labor until Christ is formed in you in this specific area, in this area, to have it formed in you. And this is what brings in <laughs> 517. This is Galatians 5. And verse 17, it says this, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, if you read what Juddiel read in Romans 8, 28, you have to go back to Romans chapter 8, the, in the same chapter, 8, 1 through 8, you see. Because in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Again, in any translation, if it has anything other than just what that verse states in the original, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ, period. And then verse 2, for the law of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. But what the law could not do and that it was weak, right? The flesh trying to keep up with it. Through the flesh, God condemning sin in the flesh has brought us into this place of the position of being positioned in his love, in the son of his love in Colossians 1.13. But now he wants us to experience that. And for us to experience that, he has to have our will submit to his. And many times our will won't submit to him unless there's pain. You see, unless there's some form of pain. So even loving chastisement, like when God spanks us, there's pain involved, but it's love. That's why the Bible teaches us That in Proverbs 3, uh, 10 and 11, and in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 to 29, all the way through there, that chastisement is God's love and many times the first step of his grace. And his grace at this point, when the will hasn't been submitted, is love that he never changes his mind about. The, the first place is, 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 is it's what it's it's, it's prevenient grace, our, my will has not yet submitted, so he wants our will to submit to his love. and so what he uses is pain to do that beautiful, really incredible. and this is what he's, the Holy Spirit is teaching us, what he was teaching Paul, and what Paul would again in turn under in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, teach us for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. for these are in opposition one to another so that you may not do the things that you deeply really desire to do, you see. And so that's what that's bringing out in such an incredible way that all things do work together for the good to them that are the loved ones of God in Christ, right? Who are the called according to, to what God's purpose is. And can God's, can God's purpose or will his purpose fail now that Christ has finished the work? Can. That's why love, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love what? Never fails. Look, my wife was cutting flowers this morning. The reason was, is their beauty began to fade. His love never does. That's what it says, really, in 1 Corinthians thirteen eight, where it says, doesn't doesn't fail really? The original is it never fades, it never loses its beauty. Listen, that's our image in Christ, and for now it is pain. But we're going to face him. So Revelation twenty one and verse four, it's also seven seventeen. He wipes away all tears. it's Also Isaiah uh, twenty five and verse eight, where he wipes away all tears. So when we're in his presence, so th- there were tears. There were tears, there's good tears, by the way, tears of sorrow, godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7, 10, but there were also tears of regret. He wipes those away. And he wipes away, he wipes away all those tears. And there's no more what? And what are tears? A memory, and he doesn't want us, when he deals with us, he doesn't want us living in what he's already dealt with. The pain brought us to a place where he could deal with it. He doesn't want us to do that. And when we draw near, he wipes it away. But, and he does that in stages of our growth, right? In stages where, you know, maybe my will hasn't been submitted yet. But once we're in his presence, in Revelation 21 and verse 4, he wipes away all tears. And what will there be there? There will be no more what? Pain, no more death, no more sorrow. Why? Because the former things are what? They already are passed away positionally, but now he wants us to experience it. And that's why I I think Jerry, I'll mention that in Job 23 and verse 14. He performs the thing that he requires. He's performing the thing that he requires. And and that's the same thing that it says. There's many things for him to perform in Psalm 138 and verse 8. Many things that he's going to perform. And he does this and that is Philippians two twelve and 13, where it says this, work out your own salvation. Now, when it says that, that's, that's our whole Christian life. Now, that enters into Revelation 2 and verse 17. W- Revelation 2 and verse 17. That's our intimate relationship and exchange of a love life in eternity where nothing will ever again disturb us or distract that exchange the initiator, Christ, us, the responder. And we have this back and forth continual exchange of a love life where nothing disturbs or distracts us. But will, in time, we have the flesh that's in us that we're not of in Romans 8, 9. We have the whole world system and Satan coming against us to distract us, to get us away from first love, to, from experience it. That's where he comes in and allows pain, allows the pain to come in. And what can we do about pain? What could we do about our pain? And certain things. We can't do anything about it. Who's the only one that can? Who's the great physician? And that's why it says in Psalm 107 and verse 20, he sent his word. That's Christ. He sent his word and delivered them from all their destructions. Now, the destructions there in Psalm 107 and verse 20 go into John 10 and verse 10. The thief comes. We you know who's the thief? Satan. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, can he steal, kill, and destroy my me being positioned, you and I being positioned in Christ? No. 1 John 5.18, the wicked one touches us not. He can't touch our eternal life, our position. So what does he go after? Our experience. And what does God want? What do you want your child to experience? Your love. Your protection. Love always speaks of protection. And safety and security. And so, there's where even chastisement comes in. The pain of chastisement. Even that. The pain of chastisement. That comes in. And he he so loves us. Right? To know the love of Christ. In Ephesians 3 and verse 19. That passes knowledge. And this goes into our eternity. But for now, for now, even the pain, once we're the dark, and God's the circle, completely encircling us. You see, nothing can get in there that isn't for our good. That's Romans eight twenty-eight. Now, positionally, positionally, he loves us. But he wants it now, us to experience, experience that love. And when we do, we function in the measure of that love that God loves us with. And I think this is, in closing, I think this, this principle is phenomenal. Now, now God is love, right? God is love. And in this sense, when we think about it, we, we think of the Father and Son in eternity in John 1 verses 1 and 2, and the Holy Spirit we see as it flows in John 14 15,26, 26, 15, 26, and John 16 and 17. It says the Holy Spirit is proceeding from both. In this love relationship, nothing can disturb that. Nothing ever could and ever has disturbed that kind of love. But for now, things can disturb us and get us distracted. Get us distracted. And then God brings in his self-sacrificial love. Look, the love that Christ, that God loves us with. What kind of love does God love us with? What's the Greek word? Gape. What is it? It is self-sacrificial love that he loves us with. Self-sacrificial. Meaning this, that God, in this exchange between the Father and the Son, they're functioning in their natures. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit functioning in their natures towards one another. They're loving each other. (laughs) Loving each other. So when God loves us, here we are, these little people, these little dots encircled by his love in Christ positionally. This is Ephesians, the first three chapters. So here we have this love where we are in him. And when God loves us, each particular place where he loves us He's not piecing out his love. We don't realize it, but he's loving us with all of who he is without change. God, it's amazing. It's so incredible. That's what he's doing. We don't realize it yet, but we're growing in it, aren't we? We're growing in this love. He doesn't piece himself out. When God loves us in this one area, he's loving us with all of who he is. We don't yet experience it yet. Why? Because we're going to grow in a love in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. We're going to grow in that love that goes beyond knowledge. (laughs) Not that we're not going to know it, but that we're going to be increased in his love all eternity. But yet we're going to do it individually in Revelations 2 and verse 17. We're going to do it individually. And the measure of that love, like even now, the measure that I receive his love for me now, in this growth, it will only be the measure that I can love you, each other, in fellowship, in oneness. Amazing. And that's why it's so critical. And that's the thing that God had strongly against those that were in the local assembly in Ephesus. It's not somewhat like the King James says. I have somewhat. First, he built them up in who they were in Christ. He was building them up and in, in how he sees them without change. But what he had against them was, strongly, was that they had allowed another authority to come in which would interfere with his love for us. See? And there's where pain and chastisement comes in. So incredible. That's why Paul needed that thorn. And that's why we have him. Because there's pain involved. There's pain involved, isn't there? To protect the beauty of the rose. To protect the beauty, the unchanging beauty that never fades. Now it can fade in our eyes when we get away, but never in God's eyes. He always sees us in the Son of his love. This is Colossians 1 and verse 13. This is Job 36 and verse seven. very good. I love how this is going. It's, it's, it is. It's awesome. So that's Job 36 and verse seven. He never removes his eye from the righteous. What does that mean? Ever from his love for us? Because our righteousness, in 1 Corinthians 1:30 is Christ. And does he ever remove his eyes? From what his son has accomplished, never. But he foresaw it. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth in Revelation 13, 8. And the works were finished. Oh boy, the covenant theologians, the Lordship salvation crowd that are in Christ but don't know that everything is finished. Oh, if they could only know with all of us and we're all growing in it, that the works were finished before the foundation of the earth in Hebrews 4, verse 3. There's no rest experientially until he can separate us. Because the only thing that we function in, I function in experientially, positioned in Christ, but experientially, if I don't experience and rest in that love, in his protection, then the only two things that I will function in are fear. And fear is either suspicion or irritation. And there's no suspicion in God's love. He doesn't want us to be suspicious when pain enters our life. What is it for? Romans 8, 28. It's 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. It's 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. That's what it is. And when when I function in his love, and his love can only flow through grace, so if there's no suspicion in love, and it flows through grace, and in grace, is there any irritation? None whatsoever. That's who we are in Christ. God. God is not suspicious about us. Now the enemy wants us to think that. To make us suspicious. Why is this thing happening? Don't we know why now? Giving us this beautiful counsel. Giving us beautiful counsel in his word. And and because again in, in Psalm 45 and verse 13, the king's daughter is all glorious within. You know what that means? Again, that's like uh, what you're having done. You're having embroidery done. But when you see it on, on the outside, you see its beauty. But turn it on the inside and see if it makes any sense. You see. Things don't make sense outside of a proper image, a proper identity. You see? And 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 we are positioned and placed in the son of his love. Again, that's Colossians 1 and verse 13. The verse before that is Colossians 1:12. He's made us meet, qualified us to walk in the light to see things properly. And this is 1 John 1:7. Walk in the light. And what are we what does it mean to walk in the light? Where does this light come from? Where does light come from? It comes from love. God's love. And when I see properly with light, that light brings me into Back again experientially into the place of God loving me. And now I'm protected. And protected against fear. First John 4:18, no fear in love. Protects me from being suspicious or thinking God has something against me. And that's why he's doing, is why he's allowing all this thing. What did I do or what I didn't do? It's got nothing to do with that. And I have a thing to do with that. It's not, it's Galatians 5 6. It's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but a faith dependence that works when we depend upon him. It's, it's the expression of God's love. And, so, and it takes pain for him to bring us to the place where he can love us. That's those verses there that are brought out beautifully this morning. And Father, we do thank you for the beauty and preciousness of your love, the counsel of your love, The light, that's why Jesus, when he came out in John 1 and verse 14, came out of John 1, verses 1 and 2, and tabernacled himself in humanity. He was the full light of Christ. The purity, the purity. We are pure positionally. Now he's going to separate us from anything that would be impure in our conduct, which would not be the equal of our character. And Father, we thank you and praise you for this truth. Thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.